Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Asset Allocator podcast. Dave Baxter is on holiday in Tunisia this week, so I'm going to gamely attempt to step into his shoes. Uh, joining me, as always, is uh, David Thorpe, contributing editor of Asset Allocator. Hello, David. Good morning, Damien. Um, yes, David's in uh, Tunisia and, and uh, this is my last day before I go on leave. So uh, um, I think... Uh, I think uh, you're going to be left in London on your own. Uh, sounds like it, yes. I'm, I'll, I'll attempt to hold the fort, the asset allocator fort. Um, it's quite a fort. <laughs> it's quite a fort. So the fact that we're going on holiday doesn't mean that we have to necessarily let up on our um, analysis of what's been going on in, in the world of portfolio construction and um, wealth management. Uh, David, you've been looking at balanced portfolios uh, of the DFMs that we cover. How have they been reacting to the market conditions of 2023 so far in the first uh, six or seven months, I guess? Sure. Well, um, as at the end of June, the average allocation to equity funds in uh, balanced portfolios is 54%. If we went back to the start of the year, uh, that was 56%. And if we went back 12 months ago to end of June 22, it was 57%. So there is, a, I suppose, a gentle exit from equities, but it is you know, quite quite gentle in uh, in, in in that regard. Three 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 percentage points in terms of where they're going. Well, bond prices obviously uh, took a bath to take a technical term in twenty twenty two, but we are seeing as a result of that we are seeing allocators in their balance portfolio, I suppose, creeping back in. The average allocation uh, at the end of May is 28%. Uh, that compares with at the start of the year, it was 27. Um, it was 26% at the end of November. And again, if you go back on a 12-month view, it was 22%. So over 12 months, the allocations have gone from 22 27%, so 5% increase. Mm -hmm fixed income allocation. So it's, I guess the, the direction of of travel is uh, is, is is quite clear in, in that regard. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yes, I guess that's just a that's just a, a function of the of the slightly turbulent uh, bond market that we had over the last um, that we've had over the last couple of months. I guess. Um, yes. Well, the, maybe with with bond prices falling, the traditional uh, inverse correlation between bonds and equities maybe has more validity or people have more more faith in it than they than they previously um, did mm -hmm. and I noticed that um, I noticed that um, allocations to alternatives like you know property and the absolute return and stuff that sort of remained fairly fairly flat i mean there's been a little bit of fluctuation but nothing more than a couple of percentage points so it's obvious people allocators are obviously making this swap from equities to fixed income indeed indeed so um indeed so um as, as you said most of the other allocations haven't uh, haven't moved in any in any dramatic way um uh, over that time and within the equity uh, bucket um one of the things that I've always been curious about is how allocators view global equity funds. Mm, yeah. Um, and 
the reason, and you know, it just seems like in uncertain times, one can outsource uh, asset allocation to a global equity manager and uh, have a, have an easier night's sleep. And look, there is some evidence for that. The average allocation to global equities is 6.3% at the end of May. Mm. And that compares with um, 5.8% at the, at the start of the year. But on a 12-month view, um, it's actually considerably lower because it was 7% um, a year ago. So there hasn't really been a stampede into global equity mandates over the past um, 12 months or so. A little bit of movement uh, on a year-to-date basis, but I guess that's that's pretty much just a, a rounding error um, um, in, 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 in that context. And the thing about the global equity sector is it's very, very... Uh, it's very competitive. A small number of um, uh, very large funds and high-profile managers tend to um, tend to dominate um, that sector in terms of their their fund size and profile. Mm-hmm. I found the point that um, Simon Evan Cook made in our last podcast to be really interesting. That he sees uh, global equity funds as a way, a way of uh, de-risking his portfolios from himself, i.e., from yes. the, from the possibility that he might make a bad call on uh, on asset allocation. Um, Indeed, yes, that's 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 uh, you know that's an interesting point. If you have if you have uh, some exposure to global equity fund and some exposure to whatever you think is going to happen to the global economy, mm. um, then or the global markets, then then I guess that's that's proper um, that's proper diversification. Yeah, exactly. But then I guess there are some asset allocators who probably see it as a, a as outsourcing something that they themselves should be relying on, which I guess is why in global equity you see quite a, a, a you see a lot of um, a lot of DFMs who have nothing, and then you see several DFMs who have quite a bit. So it's um, you do get this sort of um, wide dispersion, I guess, in this sector, in this in this particular asset class, don't you? Um, absolutely, yes. Um, it is the the depth is, is much. Is much wider, uh, given that you have that that disparity of of views, and um, that's that's correct. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you have some very high profile or well known fund houses with nothing there, and then you have uh, one one fund house with with um, with thirty four percent in in global equity funds, and um, so that, that shows you how wide the the distribution is, and um, in in that in that. Yeah. In that um, we, we've, we spoke a little bit earlier about about bonds and fixed income. Uh, the tendency when we talk about fixed income um, can be to talk about gilts um, because we're based in the UK and uh, we're not, we're nothing if not insular, I guess. But of course, um, you know, a lot of a lot of assets, a lot of DFMs do have uh, allocations to US Treasuries. Um, are, are they finding finding favour with investors at the moment? Well, there have been uh, there have been some uh, uh, purchasing of uh, treasury uh, funds. That's for sure. Um, on a year to date uh, basis, that's sterling's up twenty percent against the greenback since last September. But buyers have been buying T bills nonetheless, and that's actually particularly true at the very long end of the of the curve with the iShares US dollar twenty. 
plus years duration fund having picked up uh, two new buyers. That's on a net basis so two more than any sales that might have happened uh, in 2023. Previously, only one of the DFMs we covered had it in any of their portfolios. Now three have it in there. And more broadly, uh, on the more broader uh, index uh, of treasury index, so one that's not you know, going overweight any part of the curve. Um, the Vanguard US government bond fund, uh, which is actually very widely owned by the allocators we cover anyway, appearing in 13 portfolios that we monitor. But again, that's had uh, that's had three buyers this year uh, to date, which again shows uh, shows where the where the appetite is. Now, a lot of that data, of course is related to a period before the latest US inflation print, which showed a decline to just 3%, what we won't give for 3% in the UK. <laughs> but that 3% uh, number, I mean, that may be, that may affect one way or the other uh, sentiment towards treasury bills in the, uh, in, in the immediate, um, in the immediate term. Certainly, it, it has the capacity to impact what happens to um, both interest rates in the US and the sterling dollar exchange rate. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think it's interesting because we, we a little earlier this year, we did have a look at um, treasury um, allocation versus guilt allocation. We looked at it in the in the context of the um, of the debt ceiling uh, day uh, deadline. Um, you might remember that what the, the, um, the US, uh, as, as, it, as it often does, goes uh, went perilously close to the to the brink um, before before pulling back. And, and as you said, at the, at the time, there's there's quite a little bit of um it's quite there's very little consensus in 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 this sector you know there are some some dfms who are very much preferring gilts some who are very much preferring treasury some who have a fairly equal combination of of both um and it will be interesting i guess to see if that if that changes much um um over the over the rest of the year i guess Sure. I mean, it really does come down to with, with these things, as, as always, the, uh, the in interest rate expectations, not just in the US, but relative to uh, to the UK. There seems to be some suggestion that um, that uh, the Fed could continue to put rates up uh, as long as the labour market is tight. Um, and that would change the outcome if they had tightening rates. Uh, with low inflation, that would, I think, be expected to uh, lead to a, quite a sharp economic slowdown, and an economic slowdown with low inflation points very heavily to owning uh, bonds at the longer end of the curve rather than the rather than the shorter end. And maybe it's in anticipation of that that we've seen mm. uh, some buyers uh, of of those. Mm. Uh, of late, mm, perhaps that's something for us to look at again. Um, broadly, um, when moving to um, the income side of things, how are allocators adjusting their income portfolios? Sure. Well, it's uh, it's it's a mixed uh, mixed mixed bag there, really. But um, in terms of of equities, there hasn't really been been much change since the start of the year. The average allocation to equity funds in the income portfolios 
we run is 48%. And it's it sort of loitered between 48 and 50 over the past year or so. Um, so not, not really a significant shift in sentiment. Um, perhaps more interesting is that over that period of, of roughly uh, of roughly a year, there has been an uptick in exposure to fixed income, which is a bit more material. Uh, at the end of uh, June, the average uh, exposure to fixed income funds in the income portfolios of the DFMs we cover was 35%. If you go back one year, uh, a year ago, it was 31%. And even at the start of this year, it was 33%. So the direction of travel is very clear there. As bond yields rise, uh, those income-focused folks uh, turn to fixed income. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's a similar sort of story here. Um, the uh, allocations to alt- um, alternatives, uh, absolute return in property infrastructure, these sorts of things, again, has remained fairly static. So again, it's sw- allocators are switching between those equity and fixed income buckets rather than, um, you know, diving, pulling loads of money out of um, absolute return funds or putting loads of money in or that sort of thing. Yeah. Indeed. And uh, within that fixed income exposure, it's really the government bond part uh, or segment that's that's seen the, that's seen the increase a year ago. Uh, Govies were accounted for an average of four percent of the uh, capital of an income portfolio, and it is now seven percent. So, while they're piling into bonds, they're comfortable enough um, with with Govies not seeing any particular need to um, to to venture further at the risk curve. Um, it's also interesting that uh, they seem to be favouring the longer end of the curve pretty consistently over the past year. Short duration funds specifically have been about 2% of the portfolios and now they're, now they're 1%. So short duration is what you own if your primary fear is inflation, longer duration if your primary fear is recession. So you can see perhaps a pattern there of buying uh, slightly longer duration and buying govies. So uh, trying to reduce the economic sensitivity of the fixed income uh, slug of the portfolio at least, uh, but without um, without uh, selling off equities in any sort of remarkable uh, way. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Well, um Plenty of food for thought there. I guess we will see uh, how those trends continue to pan out over the rest of 2023. Um, uh, yes, and next next uh, next time, uh, David Baxter will be uh, will be back, um, and you will also be back from your holiday. And uh, for the last uh, asset allocator podcast before we take a, a little summer break uh, over August. Thanks very much uh, to David, and thank, thank you, you very much uh, to you for listening. And uh, yeah, tune in again in uh, two weeks' time for the uh, next edition of the Asset Allocator podcast. Thank you.